0: Now, who among us hasn't tried at least once or so in their lives to cut a deal with God? God, we might say, you know what's going on, and if you'd be willing just to do this, I promise you, I'll go to church more. Or, God, if you would just give me the answer that I need, I promise you, I'll, I'll pray more. Or, God, if you give me the new job, you give me the raise, whatever it is, God, I promise I'll give more. And lo and behold, God acts because that's what God does. And, well, the deal we made, well, I mean, God, I was a little desperate, right? I mean... I wasn't in my right mind, and you know I do give more or less, more, more or less, more. Or, you know, we we cut these deals, but we have a very bad track record, don't we, when it comes to these deals we want to cut with God. But let me ask you this: Have you, or have do you know someone that's ever cut one of these deals and follow follow through with it? See, we, we make fun of the deal cutting because, well, it's just something we do. Maybe not you, but somebody sitting around you, right? We make these deals with God. We, we tend to fall back on it. But every once in a while, we tell God we're going to do something, and we do it. Now, I don't know if the psalmist from Psalm 22 actually cut a deal with God. And as we read through the entire psalm, which we didn't, we don't know exactly what was going on in his or her life. And while you may not be familiar with the entirety of Psalm 22, I bet you will recognize its opening lines. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Familiar? Those are the words that Jesus used as he was on the cross, right? Now, we don't get again, don't know what the psalmist was going through, but we can kind of assume that it wasn't a nice walk in the park to cry out to God that way, to have to question where God was, to have to question why God had abandoning, banded him. Something was going on. Now, friends, you ever felt like that yourself? Things going on around you, things you have no control over, things falling apart, things just going all to mess. Sometimes you wonder, really, God, this is what I have to deal with? Now, you have to be just holy enough to admit that to yourself, that you've thought that way before. That you've questioned God, okay, I understand you're with me. I understand uh, that you love me, you're taking care of me, but golly, do I really have to go through something else right now? And what you need to know also is that it's okay to ask that question. And you can see that the psalmist asked that question, and that's okay. Really, God? You hear the psalmist saying, as his enemies surrounded him, as people laughed at him and mocked him and shook their head and probably their fingers well and said, mm, you, what else could the psalmist feel except, God, why have you forsaken me? It's this psalmist who would say, I feel like a worm because of everything that was going on around him, not even human. But you know what? That's not all the psalmist says. The psalmist asked the question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist talks about all his enemies being around him, feeling like a worm, and all these things that you know something is going on in his life, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he continues to talk about how good God is. Because apparently whatever was going on, whatever deal he may or may not have made, however much he cried out to God, God heard his cry. Now, friends, praise God, because the same God that the psalmist is questioning and talking to is the same God that you got up this morning, got your clothes on, got the family ready, got everything ready so that you could come here and say that you worship. The same God that the psalmist says hears us when we pray, the same God that delivers us, the same God that offers mercy and forgiveness, friends we have come to worship that same God. Thank you. God hasn't changed. Praise God. And if the psalmist can, yes, go through all these difficult moments, can understand and feel like things are so bad, but still be able to say that God heard me, that God delivered me, if the psalmist can say it, sisters and brothers, so can you. Y'all with me? Now, as we think about Psalm 22, I think about the very powerful words of this, this person speaking out of life. This is real life stuff. This isn't soap opera. This isn't anything else other than real life. And as he is speaking out of this real life, there's a couple things I think stand out for us that can help us today to live more faithful to God. And as I'm reading these words over and over from Psalm 22, what comes out to me and stands out the most is the idea of worship. Because Psalm 22, if you read it and it's entirely, you look at what it's saying, it's an act of worship. It has to be. It's a psalm. Psalm translates into praise. Praise is worship. And so there's a couple things that we, if we think about Psalm 22 as an act of worship that we can take out of that are helpful for us. And the first thing is this: in the good, and in the not very good at all, God can still be praised. When things are going fine, when you feel blessed beyond belief, and when you feel like you're the only person in the world suffering. When you feel like God has abandoned you, there is still room for worship to God. It's what the psalmist taught us. He can ask, why, O God, have you forsaken me? But he can also declare that God has heard my cry. And the second thing about our worship that I think we can take from Psalm 22 is that our worship of God is pretty active. Think about these words that the psalmist used about the people who will fear God. Now, who knows about the people who don't fear God? We're not worried about them. It's people who fear the Lord will, the psalmist says, praise God. They will glorify God. They will stand in awe of God. They will pay their vows to God. They will seek God. They will remember God. They will bow down before God, and they will live for God. Our worship of God is active. It has to be because of who God is. Sometimes we get in these conversations, you hear from people who may or may not be related to church or familiar with church. Think, well, worship, well, that's kind of boring. Got friend, news for your friends. If your worship is boring, it has nothing to do with God. It has to do with you. We want to talk about the music well the music it ain't about the music it ain't about the preachers it's not about the ambiance it's about God and if God is awesome then God is awesome whether you're singing a hymn that you've loved all your life or some other praise song if you feel like you can't worship God with, with a, without a certain kind of music that music says nothing about who God is Music says nothing about the music. It actually says something about you. Or if you feel like, oh, I can't be in in church, I can't worship, if I don't have a stained glass window. (laughs) That stained glass window is a stained glass window. And if we need that to worship, that doesn't say anything about God. It says something about us. If God is awesome, then God is awesome. And in our worship, we actively worship. We praise God. We glorify God. We bow down before God. We serve God. We love God. We remember what God has done. And we actively live out our lives. Now, sometimes we get confused because we say, oh, well, I'm going to get dressed this morning, get everything ready because I'm going to go to worship. You ever said that? Or, you know, when we get ready for our worship service, we mistake ourselves and we get a little confused because that seems to suggest that worship only happens here. And that's wrong. We don't come to worship. As people who fear the Lord, as people who know that they are blessed beyond belief, we don't come to worship. We come already worshiping because we know that we're forgiven. We know that we've been given God's mercy. We know and we trust that God loves us. We know the power of God. How in the world can we wait until Sunday morning to give God worship, to give that kind of God worship We can't wait. Worship isn't just here. It's everywhere else we go. Y'all with me? Because our worship is active. It has to be because God is awesome. We are alive. Praise God. We are forgiven. We've been given mercy. Hmm? We are blessed beyond belief. Now, the question is, who is worship for? That question we asked at the beginning of our service. And it was not really a fair question. I'll just tell you that because it seems to suggest that you have to answer one way or the other. Who is our worship for? Is it for God or is it for us? Well, that's really kind of both. Yes, we come to praise God and to glorify God. But what praises and glorifies God more than a changed life? What changes a life more than God? Nothing. And in our worship, God does all that. In our worship, we come to praise. We come to actively worship. And as we do that more and more, little by little, God works in us. In our worship. You see, God is active. So in our worship, we should be as well. Y'all with me? The final thing I think we can see from worship based on Psalm 22 is that our words help us celebrate who God is. The psalmist's words, after you read that entire psalm, you get a feeling for who God is. Let me put it to you this way. Let me ask you something. If you were talking to a friend or a family member or a coworker or somebody, And that person is telling you about somebody else, maybe the boss or maybe their spouse or somebody. And they're going on and on about how just these people are and they don't listen. They're not patient. They don't ever get anything right. And they go on and on and on. What are the first impressions that you might have, not about the person speaking to you, but about the person they're talking about? You might believe them, right? I don't don't want to be around these people, right? Conversely, if you're speaking to whomever and they're starting to tell you about their spouse or their boss or whomever else, and instead of these bad things, you're saying, oh, man, this guy's great. He listens. He helps me out whenever I need him to. I get good schedules. He takes care of me. Oh, it's great. Well, now what are you thinking about that other person? Yeah, good. I'll work for him. Sounds good. Your worship, the way that you actively worship, says something to somebody else about what you think about God. Why do you think the psalmist took time to write down the words so that you and I could know who he thought God was? Your worship tells somebody something about God. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does my worship tell somebody about God? You know, if worship is not just here on Sunday mornings, the rest of the week. What does the way that I live my life in worship tell my family, tell the people I work with, the people in the grocery checkout line? what, What does my worship tell those people about what I think about God? What does your life say about what you believe about God, what God has done for you, how much you love God, how good God is, and just how willing God is to love somebody else? We need to ask ourselves that. And what about Sundays? Yeah, this is not the only time, but it's a time that we have. It's the time that all of us as God's people come to worship together. What does How we worship here, say to somebody about what we think about God. You see, what we do when we are here says something also about what we think about God. You know, in a few minutes before we do communion, we will remind ourselves that we are forgiven by God. I'll lead you through a prayer and we'll just remind ourselves of that right after that. You know what we'll do? Do you remember? We'll all stand up and we'll pass the peace of Christ with each other. So you may not realize it, but that says something about what we think about what God is doing in all of us. Our worship matters. And we need to actively worship God because of how good God is. So. Let's cut a deal. Not so much with God, but with each other. Since God has already shown us mercy, since God has already told us how much we are loved, since God has offered to forgive us, since God gives us new life, since God is who God is, how about we then offer our lives in active worship to God? Now, we don't make that deal with God. We could, but we make it with each other. So that when you see me and you have to question whether I'm actively worshiping God, you can say, hey, wait a minute. What about that deal we made? Or if I see you, wait a minute. What about that deal we made? So that we can remind ourselves that we as God's people, all of us together, because worship doesn't happen with one person. Worship happens as we all gather as God's people and we think about how we are connected Wherever it is God sends us. And when we think about that, we say, wait a minute. What about our deal? Y'all with me? If you want to be more faithful to God, then I want you to pray with me. Oh, gracious God, you have been so good to us. In so many ways, you have shown us who you are. We have seen how willing you are, how willing you are to give us new life. And God, forgive us because, well, we've shown you how unwilling we are to accept it. This day, in this moment, God, hear us as we pray to you, wanting the new life you offer us. And help us by your grace to give us everything we need to be able to go from here and to live a life that actively worships you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.